I'm just really gonna like relish every day I have in pro sport, like because it's such a, like an unbelievable position to be in, like to to do what you love. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Like I'd probably be playing rugby amateur if I wasn't playing pro. Like you know, I'd be playing down the local club with the lads, like like throwing a few few offloads of you in Lansdowne. Hello and welcome to the Pro Rugby Pod. I'm your host, Brian Moylet. I'm a former Irish international age grade player. And each week I chat with a player, a coach or a person involved at the top end of the game to hear about their story, get their insights and find out what life is like in professional rugby. On Instagram, I'm the off-field rugby coach. That's at off-field rugby. Please follow me there and let me know any thoughts or feedback you have for the pod. Please subscribe to the pod if you haven't already. Please leave a rating and a review wherever you're listening. And also, please share the pod with some friends. Those simple actions have a big impact and are really, really appreciated. On today's podcast, I chat with Tom Farrell, who plays for Connacht Rugby. We chat about Tom's journey from playing championship rugby in England to signing for Connacht in 2017, getting named the Fans Player of the Year in that year, and getting into the Ireland squad in 2019. Tom grew up in Dublin, went to school in Castleknock College, and after playing for the Ireland under-20s, which he says he was fortunate to get selected for, he went into the Leinster Academy. He spent three years in the Leinster Academy, and it just didn't really work out for him. We chat about why that was the case, and Tom talks about how he kind of knew the writing was on the wall long before the end of his contract with Leinster. He then got an opportunity at London Irish when they were still in the Premiership before getting relegated to the Championship. They're back there again now. He speaks about why he decided to go to Bedford. He talks about the money he was earning in Bedford and how it was okay for him as a young man at 22 to be doing that, but that there was really a time cap on how long he could spend in the Championship. He speaks about his mindset for going to the Championship and how he knew that deep down he had what it takes to play with one of the Irish provinces, and how if he kept doing what he was doing, that he would eventually get that break. Tom chats about what have been the most difficult step-ups in level in his career, and also which have been the easiest. He speaks about how he has changed his attitude to training over his career, and how he knew that this was a necessity if he was to kick on. We chat a bit about pre-match nerves and how you can use them to your advantage. And on the topic of pre-match, we have an interesting chat about how different players prepare for matches differently. Tom gives a really cool insight into the Connacht dressing room before matches. Who is calm and relaxed? Who's bouncing off the walls? Who's giving energy to the team? And who's the cool heads that are looking at the playbook, getting everybody ready for what's to come? As mentioned, Tom was in the Ireland squad in 2019 under Joe Schmidt, and that was a Six Nations squad. But since then, he's had some difficult times with injuries. He has done his ACL most recently in November 2020 and is just coming back from that. But before that, he had a shoulder injury that kept him out of the game for a while as well. So he opens up about how those injuries have affected him, but also how they have given him a new perspective in life and how he has taken the positives from them. It was really cool to hear, and really refreshing to hear how he has taken the positives from those difficult times. We also chat about a business that Tom has started recently, and there's so much more in this episode. 
So here's episode number six with Tom Farrell. I'm here with Connacht rugby player Tom Farrell. Tom, how are you keeping? How's your week been? Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, grand. We're into our second week of game week in preseason now. We played Worcester last Friday night away in six ways. Um, lost that game, but overall we're reasonably pleased because we have a lot of changes to our game. So um, kind of going into that game, it was mainly vetting our new our, our new systems and our new shapes and our new defense strategies. So coaches kind of we're more or less focusing on that as opposed to the results. So all in all, we're we're in a good place now this week coming into London Irish. And how did it feel putting in new systems? Um, yeah, it was good. It was a bit a little bit different than what we usually what we used to. Um, like in terms of like our attack and stuff, I would like probably telling our whole game plan. Like it's a lot of like uh, like our lines are running. There's a lot more emphasis on this year. Um, stuff like our like our ball and air time and like the accuracy of our pass and the speed of our pass and, and it all comes back to kind of like the speed of our rook and how it like allows us to play the game. So um. In terms of like the attack stuff, that's kind of the stuff we're focusing on. Yeah, and how does it feel getting back into it? You've been kind of in and out a little bit with injuries over the past while. Yeah, how does it feel um, to be starting out the uh, season. Unreal! Like it's been brilliant. So I've uh, I don't know if I told you I done my ACL like last yeah November or so. Um, so it's been like nearly ten months since I played the game. So like it was. Like an unreal feeling just to kind of tick that off the box and kind of get past that milestone of getting through it all right. Um, then, like in terms of preseason, I trained right throughout the summer. I hadn't missed any like training sessions. Got through everything all right, and then it was nice to just kind of like bed in with the team normal as opposed to like kind of coming in mid season or whatever. So like, I can kind of hopefully like, hit the season running now with the rest of the lads and worry about like put them kind of worries behind me. How does it feel going into that first game after some time out? Um, I was quite lucky because, like, I started preseason like week one with everyone else, like back in July. So it wasn't as if like I was doing my rehab in the middle of the season and then dropped into the like round five or round six of a game or something like that. I was, I was kind of like bled in through preseason like with normal like contact progressions fitness progressions like all the conditioning work strength work with everyone else from day one so in terms of like playing my first game it was kind of like somewhat of a level playing field because the lads were just coming back from their holidays and like I was coming back from my injury so like I kind of had that reassurance that like I'd done all the exact same work as the rest of the lads in the preseason yeah yeah and do you do much contact in preseason? You just mentioned their contact progressions, but like, what would that look like? Um, yeah, we do a bit, like not like not a hectic amount, like just enough to keep the body not fucking in bits after like yeah, yeah, a tough session. But I suppose like kind of ramp it up throughout, like started around the week three or week four, and then by the week seven or eight, you're kind of live tackling and kind of internal game type scenarios and the coaches might say okay we're we're going live now for 10 12 minutes or we're going to do 20 minutes two 20 minute halves or things like that you kind of build your way up to that level and then that's how we kind of done it this summer yeah and how did you find preseason? um 
Usually, I'm not really a fan of them, like like anyone, to be honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I kind of just dread the condition side of things. But because like I've missed so much last year, like I was just so like happy just to be out there training, like relishing every session. Um, like the weather was reasonably good throughout the majority of our preseason, which made things nice. Like you could, like you know what it's like and go. We could actually train yeah. in singlets at some stages. Like, um, believe it or not, there's a few farmer tans rocking around. Oh, um, it was it was nice, like because like like I said, like I just missed so much, like so I literally just went into the preseason with the mindset of like, like don't dread anything, like um like you're so lucky to be doing what you're doing, like I'm like recovering from a serious knee injury and like just relish it really, and like that's the kind of mindset I had with going into it, and like it was it was a really enjoyable one, like and hopefully it put me in good stead now for the coming season. Yeah, yeah, and have you always? been like that or just kind of what you're saying they're like practicing gratitude like saying like oh, i'm lucky to be here or lucky to be doing this because i know like lots of things can be a dread like or you know going to yeah. a gym doing training playing in the wet and all that stuff but is that something that you've kind of taken on recently or has you been like that for a while? um i i have i have i suppose i like i would have always been conscious of the situation I was in and how like lucky I was but I suppose as I've gotten older now like I'm I'm nearly 28 um and the few injuries that I've had now like so I've had I just recovered from a shoulder injury as well and then I've played like maybe seven or eight games and then I've done my knee so like at this stage now like I'm just kind of like people someone actually asked me this the other day and they were saying something similar like I just literally said the exact same answer to you like I'm just really gonna like relish every day I have in pro sport like because it's such a, like an unbelievable position to be in like to to do what you love do you know what I mean um, yeah like I'd probably be playing rugby amateur if I wasn't playing pro like you know I'd be playing down the local club with the lads like like throwing a few few offloads of you in Lansdowne um, <laughs> yeah um, but that type of thing like you know what I'm saying like to get to do it like and get paid like it's just unbelievable so like that's the kind of mindset I have like at the moment like just so privileged to be in the position we are like and just kind of like really be grateful for it because like i'm in the later stages of my 20s now like and so i want to just really push on with it yeah no that's unreal that's class that you have realized that or have that mindset you know what i mean because from what i hear that i don't know you hear these interviews we hear a lot of people that when they retire they go oh geez i wish i enjoyed it more oh i wish you know they look back so it's it's cool i suppose maybe it's one plus side of the injuries is that it's yeah, given, definitely. giving you that perspective. So yeah. Gives you a good perspective, like like even chatting to my family and my mum and stuff like and like my family in particular, my parents are like big fans and um yeah. like they're just itching to get back like and it's just nice that kind of feeling like you know coming off the pitch and like knowing that like your family are there in the crowd and stuff and I kinda of miss that type of things, you know, and mm. like my parents are my biggest supporters like so it's just nice coming off the pitch and seeing them there in the stands like um so I just kinda of miss that type of feeling. Yeah, no, that's class. I remember they used to be there in Lansdowne as well. Yeah. Drinking pints. Yeah. <laughs> chatting about mayo. <laughs> yeah. Um I saw uh, in an interview you did there, just giving you beforehand, but you said that I think it was in twenty eighteen that your dad told you to stick with it when you were thinking of quitting. Yeah. Um so I think the, the media man it kind of ran with that headline, but like it kind of was in a roundabout way. Like it was, um, I was playing like two or three age grades up at the time. Like, um, 
so I must have been like six or seven and I was playing with like nine or ten year olds um, and I was getting like thrown around the place like especially at that age like there's such a difference between the size of people between like seven year old and a nine or ten year old um, so I was just getting ragged all around the place and like yeah, yeah. I hated the fray just like and then I think like my dad like just like he wasn't pushy at all like like yeah, probably yeah. that that article probably is misleading like he just kind of like um said i just stick with it like just keep the head down and, like he didn't like push me into it like so i play gaelic the next day on sundays and stuff it was just kind of yeah. that thing you do at that age like you know you play your rugby on a saturday you play your gaelic on a sunday and you just kind of yeah, tip yeah. away until you're whatever age and then um but yeah he kind of like without even realizing it, i suppose he did kind of like steer me to that direction of just keep pushing on with it like and then I got to a stage where like I was dropped in with my, with my own age and probably a benefit like because then I was like my own age came and I was like <laughs> like killing people streets ahead of everyone else then like yeah no that's funny that actually is misleading because I was reading it and it was around like it was 2018 and it said like it said that line and then I was like geez Tom you're thinking of quitting I was like because we obviously played together when we were younger and then I was like yeah. what's, ha- what's happened since now that in the in the last two years you're thinking of quitting rugby <laughs> I thought it was like in your mid-20s or something that you were no, thinking no I was okay. like six or seven oh, like, and just yeah. kinda, they never just said that. didn't want to get out of bed on a Saturday like <laughs> I'm getting thrown around the place <laughs> no they didn't say that the reporter um, ran with it yeah clickbait so when you left school went to school in Castlenock and left school you were kind of overlooked for the Leinster Academy you had played for been involved with Irish underage teams how was that your first year out of school yeah first year out of school um would have been straight into the Ireland 20s I think from what I remember yeah um missed the missed the Six Nations actually done two shoulder injuries one one at that time around the Six Nations under 20s and then one a couple of years later but that was my first shoulder injury so I missed the Six Nations and um, was rehabbing for most of that year and very luckily Mike Ruddock was the head coach of the 20s at the time and I hadn't played rugby in six months and he put me down on the the team to go to the Junior World Cup Um, I'd say there was a few few angry lads around the country um, but like I owe Mike a lot for that. Like, I suppose Mike kind of had previous knowledge of me from school and from just from being tied at Lansdowne, and you kind of knew he had, he had a reasonable understanding of my background, and that kind of played into my hands a bit and played into my favour. Luckily, um, they're the kind of bounces I suppose you need to go in your way, and mm. he brought me to the Junior World Cup. Uh, so I went reasonably well, all right in that, and um. Off the back of that, I got a place in the academy in Leinster uh, for three years. Um, like that time just passed me by. Like I didn't really make any progress at all. Um, was rarely training with the senior team even for my three years. And then in my last year of the my academy contract, it was just. I was told I wasn't getting kept on, which was grand. I kind of knew it was coming. Like sure, I hadn't been training with seniors. And uh, London Irish had an injury crisis at the time. Um, so I asked, uh, could I cut my contract short and go over there um, just for like three or four months and just see how I get on? I think they were getting relegated at the time into the championship. So they kind of, they were stuck. So I was like, hey, this is a perfect opportunity and went over there for a couple of months. Brilliant experience, great time. Um, 
unfortunately, well, whatever way you look at it, they didn't sign me on either. So it was, where am I going now? <laughs> and um, Bedford came looking. Um, so, uh, like, at the time, London Irish, like I said, were getting relegated. And they were going to be in the same league as Bedford. And then the way I looked at it, like, I could kind of hold on and wait and wait for London Irish to give me an answer. You see, they didn't know. They were kind of on the fence whether they wanted me or not. And I was, like, thinking to myself, well, look, they're going to be in the same league as Bedford anyways. Realistically, I'm going to play more at Bedford. And um, I'll get opportunities to play against London Irish and showcase, like, what I have. So that's exactly what I did. I went over to Bedford for that season, the following season. Um, ended up playing against London Irish, actually. Uh, that was my last game at Bedford. Um, so when I was at Bedford, then I was there for... It's only there for like maybe six or eight months. Um, played like half a season, just over half a season. And then Connacht came calling. They had an injury crisis um, in January 2017. and. Yeah, I haven't, I've been in Galway since, like, from since January 17th, so that's kind of, like, my story or my little route. Nice one. And why you said there that you didn't make much progress in Leinster in three years in the academy, why do you think that was? I don't know, like, it was a weird one. Um, I actually, maybe I just, I had, the coaches had a perception of the type of player I was, or... Um, maybe I wasn't showcasing in training, or I still I I never got any opportunities really, even in like A games or anything. Um, it was a weird one. Like it was A games, like that's and I wasn't even getting picked for them. Um, I actually, I to be honest, I can't even answer that. Um, maybe historically I wasn't really a good trainer. I was like I struggled to like what's the word like showcase what I had in training. And um, especially when you're in the academy at that age, like you don't really play a lot of games. It's more like skill training, drills, like three on twos, things like that. And maybe I just wasn't like showcasing what they wanted in them type of things. Um, but then, like when it came to like actual game time, it was like I was playing well at AIL level at Lansdowne, um, and I'm sure I was playing with you at the time. And yeah. Like we went well. Like we won the AIL that year of us. Played really well that season. Um, I don't know. Actually, to be honest, I can't even answer that. How I didn't even progress, but I'm not even too worried about it. To be honest, like I'm believer in what's for you on Passy, and like I'm happy out in Connacht now. To be honest, yeah, of course. No, I just found it really weird at the time because, like as you said, we were playing together in Lansdowne. You were carving up. Um, they just were your top try scorer second in the try scoring charts that year, and then like an A game would come around and you wouldn't be in the twenty three nearly or. It's kind yeah. of remember we'd be having chats then. It's like oh, you need to get out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. Dead right, yeah. We were we were too busy having the crack in Lansdowne. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's funny though you say as well about that you um, mightn't have been a good trainer or whatever. Like anyone who knows me else knows I didn't train much anyway. But um, you were I too see... busy hitting drop goals. Yeah, exactly. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's funny. I'm coaching now, and we had our first game last weekend, and. The same thing, like, we've been training for 18 months because of COVID, had no games. And you get these, like, perceptions of players through training as a coach. But then yeah. we had our game last weekend, and I was like, whoa, she is good. You know what I mean? Like, I, I go yeah, turns, I was yeah. like, wow, didn't think that. Because just some of the, some people just don't really 
get up for training and then you see them in a game and you're like wow and this was funny then because fans only see matches so and i suppose like me looking at you playing with us or whatever whatever i was like how are you not involved leinster anyway um yeah that's actually now you say it like even like we had like little internal games there like and like lads who were just like tipping away during preseason like anyone else like in all the drills and stuff like fine like and then when it comes to like the internal game like just light up like and just become a different like beast on the pitch like it's some people are like that and like i kind of nearly had to try to like refocus my training standards or intensity because like i reckon a couple of years ago like that's kind of hindered me when i got into um six nations camp under joe smith maybe two or three years ago like i just wasn't ready for the training standards or the level of detail and pressure in the training up there and looking back that probably kind of hindered me um so like since then i kind of got like not like a rocket up the hole, but like just a bit more like emphasis on my training and like the importance of it and stuff. Yeah. What was the Ireland training like? I've heard lots of people talk about Joe Schmidt, detail, all that carry on. But um, yeah, what was the difference, say, between Connacht or Leinster? You would have been involved in the odd uh, senior training there. But what was the difference with Ireland? Like you hear people saying like, and it is the answer, like it's just the speed of things. Um in like the intensity like the level of i suppose detail in the running lines um like accuracy uh basically what you experience at club level but just at another level like it's that's probably the best way to put it i think um like at the end of the day like every team in the world is like running a pod off nine and running a pod off ten and it's just like how you do it i suppose like um and like how you look to like break defenses at the end of the day, like everyone's doing it. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. it's just I suppose the, the intensity of it and the speed of it, like um, that'll be the main thing. Yeah, yeah. And how did the move to London Irish come about? So you were in the Leinster Academy. You kind of saw the writing on the wall, or just things weren't going your way. Yeah. And how did it come about? Like from being going into training in Leinster to then going to London Irish. Did you have an agent or, or what happened there? I think it was a combination of them having a bit of an injury crisis and um, like Leinster probably having like a, a pedigree behind them of like a successful academy um, and like a reputation of producing like players that are ready to play professional rugby. So they kind of trusted like the Leinster Academy. Yeah. And then probably on top of that, like done a bit of background on me and they've seen that I played like Junior World Cup and things like that and probably looked at a few A games and stuff like that and thought I might have fit the bill. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I'd say it was a combination of them things that like how it worked out. And at the time, I think Bob Casey was there at the time and he was quite pally with Leo Cullen. So I reckon something there yeah. might have happened where they could have just chatted. Yeah. But did you have an agent doing the talking for you at that time? Or, I think or at the did... time I was just starting off uh, with an agent, yeah. Um, Tom Beattie's his name. Uh, but I'm not entirely sure at the time like if like an agent was the, the main reason why I got it. I think it was just like um, right time, right place type of thing. 
and then after that I kind of got closer with the agent and then he kind of organized the move to Bedford and organized the move to Connacht after that. So you mentioned just there about the step up to the Ireland training which was like kind of eye-opening or whatever what has been the easiest step up so say from school to Leinster 20s or Leinster 20s to the World Cup or have there been any step up so say somebody who is listening to this who's maybe playing schools rugby or playing or playing like provincial 20s or playing Ireland 20s or playing AIL has there been any step up where you're like oh this is actually grand but on the outside someone might go wow that's such a big jump I actually thought the step up from the championship to pro 14 was um very doable I suppose the word yeah Uh, not that daunting um well probably daunting before it actually happens yeah but when you when you realize that when you play your first game and you get onto the pitch and you're around these players and you get your first touch and your first involvements, um, you realize that like it's actually not that much of a massive step up. Um, like there's some really really good players in the championship. Um, there's times at Bedford I didn't get picked. Like um, like first game of the season they had like a few lads on loan from Saracens and things like that, <clears throat> um, and they were getting picked ahead of me. Uh. But like yeah, I say that step up from the championship to to Pro fourteen wasn't as much as, as I thought it was gonna as it was gonna be. Yeah. And what was the day to day like in the championship? So say compared to maybe, I don't know, Lansdowne trained twice a week and maybe a third time and doing the gym on their own to train with Bedford. Because from, from what I gather, yeah. it's quite uh, diverse in that league. Like, I think Richmond are amateur, like AIL. Yeah, and then yeah. at the top of it last year, you had Saris, who have Lions in the squad. So what was Bedford like day to day? It was... Day, like So Bedford, like, um, when I was there, it was... They had semi-pro and professional players. They had, like, maybe, I think, 10 profes- full-time professionals and then the other maybe 30 or 25 players were semi-pro so they'd like work day jobs and then they'd come train so we trained in the evenings at bedford actually let's say that mm. we trained at i think seven o'clock at bedford so it was kind of like an ail type vibe to it but then during the day the there's 10 of us who were professional so we'd go in during the day get a gym session in and maybe get an extra skill session in while the other lads are at work um <clears throat> And then when the semi-pro lads came in the evening, all the squad met up and we did like, essentially what it is at AIL, like we did like team meeting for a half an hour beforehand and then onto the pitch for maybe whatever it is, 60 to 80 minutes. And then grow up in the clubhouse after and off you go. Like it was kind of like an AIL vibe to it, to be honest. Um, it's kind of like a, like a glorified AIL nearly. Yeah. Uh, Bedford, that was that's what it was like. It was like, just that step up from AIL, um, with a bit more like kind of like structure and things like that. But um, like in terms of like games stuff, away games on the buses home, like it was just like you'd imagine, like stopping the offo and get a slab of cans and yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like uh, just like Lansdowne again. Yeah, um, except to getting paid a bit of cash. Yeah, yeah, not that much now, but yeah. at the time I was only twenty two at the time, so I said to myself, like I can get away with this this money for a while, but like. I can't really be get, turning twenty three, four or five, and like be playing championship rugby and mm. um, earning this money because it just wasn't doable. But at the time, I was twenty two. I was like, well, I'll give it a crack. Like, um, 
I was, I was very lucky to get back to Connacht, to be honest. Like, yeah, it was just like time. It was just perfect. Like they had injury cover. Like, um, yeah, it was just the stars just kind of aligned. Yeah, and um, how did it feel going over to the championship? Like, I know you say you said there that at the start you'd be playing rugby no matter what, or you just enjoy playing rugby. So when it didn't work. You probably grew up wanting to play with Leinster. You're from Dublin, so when it didn't work out in the Leinster Academy, were you kind of thinking, "I'm going to go here because this will be my route back to a province, maybe," or were you thinking, "You know what? I just I'm going to play with a rugby, and it's a bit more full time than AIL." Like, what were you thinking moving to the championship full time? Um, exactly that. I went over there <clears throat> solely with the intention of coming back to Ireland. Didn't call it a risk, but like because I wanted to do it, but um. I went over there, like saying to myself, "Okay, you're in the shop window now." Because a lot of coaches do look at championship footage. Like, there's like kind of like a database or like a portal page where you like all the games are uploaded every week, and they're broken down into set piece, attack, defense, lineouts, everything like that. So like, there's there's good access to the games for coaches to be looking at. So I went over there um, with that sole intention of showcasing what like what I have, and I played like majority if not all them games um leading up to christmas so the season started in whenever it was september time pre-season was in june so i was there from june july right through until december and then played like all them games from the start of the season up until christmas and then my last game was at <coughs> away in the majesty at london irish and then straight after that game uh Tim Almut or rang my agent, yeah, and was just like, "Oh, we have an injury crisis, blah blah blah." And yeah. I was on the I was on the plane the next week. Yeah, nice. And um, did you have a kind of time limit? You were saying there with uh, that you were going to the championship to come back to Ireland to get into a pro side. But did you have a time limit where you're kind of thinking, you know what? As you were saying about the money thing, it's not forever in the championship. And yeah, was there? If you're kind of was there a time at which you decided, you know what, I'll just do something else? Yeah, I would have given myself one more season. Um, so my first season, I was 22, stroke 23. And then if I was to sign on for another season, I would have been 23, stroke 24. That would have been probably my cutoff um, purely because, like, it just wasn't, like, feasible to be. Like, I was on, like, 19,000 sterling. Yeah. Um. So like it wasn't like a lot of money. Yeah. And like, like could be, you could be earning a lot more money in another job. But like obviously it's I wanted to pursue rugby and just had to take the hit or whatever for a year or so. But like it worked out. Like. So this is a bit of a two part question, but what do you think you would have done after the age of twenty four if you know you said all right the rugby didn't work out and then. I was going to ask you as well about the coffee stand you set up, which is pretty cool. Oh, um, oh, like to be honest, I really, really don't know what I would have done. Um, I don't really like tend to plan too far in ahead, too far ahead. Um, I was to be honest, I was nearly all the eggs in one basket. Like I was just backing myself. Uh, it's probably not the greatest way to do it, or like to be but like I kind of had this thing in my head like I kind of like weirdly enough like I knew that like something would happen or I'd get that break Um, I just had this gut feeling that like 
like I'm gonna get an opportunity somewhere, something's gonna arise, um and just, just keep tipping away at Bedford, like I know something's gonna come up, but just just keep getting your game time, keep going and just don't even think about it, or like just put it in the back of your mind or put it in the back burner, like it's kind of like a long term goal that something's gonna pop up or something's gonna arise. You just kinda of worry about like week on week and just keep playing well on each game. And like I didn't even worry about like what would happen at twenty four or five if I wasn't getting a contract. I just I had this gut feeling, it was weird. Um and like yeah, like by by like six months into the season I was already gone. <laughs> like uh, it didn't end like they were kind of, the management were kind of a bit like not snotty, but they're a bit pissed off at me that I up sticks and went. But like they un- they totally understood like um my reason. Like I chatted to like the head coach and the CEO over there and like they totally understood, like but they were just kinda of, like it was tough from from for them to let me go, but they were they were pretty sound about it. No, that's incredible. That's unreal. But um like I see that so much now in that uh, when you say put all your eggs in one basket, like I'm sure if you heard of the story about burn the boats and have you heard of that? Like there's this. Um, no, I haven't. Oh, no, I'm going to have to listen. Kind of, but, uh, so there is this Spanish conqueror in the 1500s who went across to Mexico. I don't know his name, Cortez, I think. But he went across to Mexico with 11 boats and an army of people and they're going to take over that area or take over Mexico. So what he did when they hit the land, he ordered all of his men to burn all of the boats. So they had, psychologically, they had no retreat. Oh, yeah. So so they had no option but to go and take over the land. And yeah, I think it's so true. And I find when you get rid of that plan B, when you get rid of that safety net, you have no option but to do it. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, kind of like, Without even thinking about it, like that's maybe somewhat like the mindset I had, like Yeah, no, it's brilliant. And it's like whereas if you had a plan B and you're like, Oh well look, if this doesn't work out then I can do XYZ You, you mightn't give it your full then. Exactly, yeah. You're not yeah you're not gonna give it your all. But when you just don't have a plan B, you've no other option. You have to make it work. And like just psychologically I bet, you know, just in your training and your matches, like as you're going about your business, that just is um that plays a factor. And uh, yeah, I think yeah, it's so powerful point, getting yeah. rid of your plan B. If you really want to achieve something, get rid of that plan B and go for it. Yeah, that's a good point when you put it like that. And it's interesting then as well. You talk about just just um, you just focus on doing your thing day after day, like being pre- like that's being present. You know what I mean? Yeah, like like I hear a lot of people talking about that. Like to be honest, like I like I don't really know a whole lot about that type of like thinking or like or like way of approaching life. I just I probably do without even thinking about it. You um, do. Like subconsciously I probably just kind of like carry my life like that and um I don't overly think it like just kind of have your your goal, your major goal in your background, your head that you want to achieve and just like it's there, it's your carrot. But just if it's achieve if it's if you if you achieve it like it'll be there, like do you know what I mean? Like it's just in the background tipping away type thing. Yeah. No, that's um no, you definitely do without realizing it. Do uh, a lot of that stuff. Like, um, that's just as you said, focusing on your day to day. It gets rid of the overwhelm. Like, if you're kind of yeah. constantly thinking the big picture, like, oh, I need to make this team. I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to do that. You just get really overwhelmed. Whereas, if you just yeah. go, hey, I just want to train well today. <laughs> like, that's a pretty easy thing to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially when you have your mother in your ear and she's like traditional Irish mommy, oh, what's yeah. for you won't pass you. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. 
Um, what kind of away trips do you like, or what's what's good about Pro 14? Oh, I suppose United Championship now actually isn't it rebranded, but um, URC, yeah. with the South African teams and yeah, what kind of do you enjoy the travel? Um, yeah, we kind of like it's weird, kind of like we have like a nearly like a travel before we even travel like we have to like do a two and a half hour bus before we even get to the airport like yeah. so uh we're like we're well accustomed to each other by now it's um like i just done one there for the first time in like 10 months or something and like it was weird like it was so it was a two and a half hour bus to dublin whatever half an hour flight dublin to birmingham and then another hour and a half from Birmingham to we were staying just outside Worcester in a small little town and like it was the guts of like maybe nine hours travelling like just across the pond yeah. and like some of the lads were like oh fucking hell geez, that was that was a tough old slog but like I was like oh yeah it was yeah but in my head I was like Jesus actually it's so nice to be back travelling with a squad again and like um, just being part of a, like a match day squad or like a travelling party and just literally sitting on the bus just like happy out like I'm I'm back doing this day-to-day thing like of being involved in professional rugby traveling to away games stuff like that and just like kind of relishing it nearly like the the boring sluggish journey like like people nearly I suppose I would have been in the mindset the lads when I was fit when I was game on game on game week on week like tipping away like throughout the season like, I would have been of that mindset like oh gee this is a slog like jumping on the bus for two and a half hours waiting at the airport but then, like, because I've been out of action for so long, I was literally like, oh, geez, it's so nice to be back. Like, hmm. I'll stop harping on, but once again, when you're saying, like, just enjoying the bus trip or whatever, that's another example of, like, being present and just enjoying the moment that you're in. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if I'm, like, if I'm like that now come November when it's, when you it's, gotta, when it's gotta pissing keep, rain. you got to yeah. keep that up. But, uh, <laughs> but what, what are the bus trips like? Do you have the crack on the bus like we used to? Ah, we time? do, yeah, like. Yeah, like obviously we wouldn't be stopping in the off now, but like um, well, we didn't stop in the way like... off now, to be honest. Although, <laughs> although then again, I would have been eating chocolate bars and uh, mochas, uh, drinking mochas, so maybe it wasn't the best. But and six bread rolls. Oh um, uh, yeah, impeccable diet. Yeah, but that's AIL for you. That's the way off. Yeah, you know the way back the off. But yeah, what, do you have a bit of crack on the bus? Ah, uh, we would. Yeah, like we'd play like silly games, like wolves and villagers, and like um like these games that are like before you know it like one round of a game takes half an hour like and then like you play three or four rounds of that game and then you're you're at Dublin like do you know what I mean that type of thing like your time flies by it's just joking and the usual like banter on a bus like literally like like you'd imagine like slagging thrown out like people on like showing funny videos on their phone whatsapp flying like that type of crack like just like a a group of lads like you'd imagine anywhere else and then um, on the way home Depends on, like, sometimes our travel, like, we travel the night of the game after or, like, it could be early the next morning. So, like, um, the way home was a bit more quieter. Like, lads are tired and stuff like that. And, mm. like, sleep might have been a bit disjointed from the night before because people would be, like, hyped up from the game. Yeah, on the way over, like, people would be full of beans and there'd be a bit of crack and stuff. And then depends. Like, some situations, like, you might get the very odd time where, like, they might give you, like, a few cans on the way home. You mentioned there that some boys might be tired on the way back and be revved up after the game and not able to sleep. Do you ever get that yourself, like, after a, say, whatever, what would it be, a 7.30 kickoff, maybe, and then struggle sleeping after? Yeah, you would. Um, 
like especially like if there's like some boys take like caffeine or so if we have a three o'clock game like you'll take caffeine or whatever um, but some people are taking caffeine at like half seven like, yeah, yeah. loading up on it like so you might have like a couple of hundred milligrams of caffeine going into some lads are, like the equivalent of like four or five cups of coffee yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so when it comes to like nighttime games I tried to like not bother with it um, purely because like I won't get to sleep till like three or four in the morning with a combination of being adrenaline from the game and then multiply with the caffeine in you like it'll be just a horrendous mix so i don't come to nighttime games i try to stay away from it but like it's still even even with that it's still tough to fall asleep after nighttime games i find yeah mm. and do you get nervous before games yeah i do um it's hard not to like uh mm. playing whatever this is like i think this is my fifth season with Connacht now um well COVID was kind of a write-off but yeah, like I still do get nervous. I wish I didn't like, but it's hard. It's 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 hard not to like. It's doing you know, something. I think like someone said to me the other day, when someone when something means something to you, you're gonna be nervous about it. Yeah, because it means something to you. Like you obviously care about it and you want to do well, so you don't want to mess up and then probably brings them nervous. But I think for me, nerves are good. Um, I've kind of learned to like nearly welcome them. Um, because I think they give me that kind of edge. Where I don't get complacent, or uh, I don't like treat any team for granted, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, that's what I try to be, anyways. And I, I think for the majority of the time I am, because so many good players out there now, like where you just can't take your foot off or get complacent, because you'll just get like shown up. Yeah. No. So to answer your question, like in a roundabout way, yeah, I do get nervous, but um, I think it's a good thing. Yeah. No, I fully agree with you, and uh, what you say there about like you get nervous or get those butterflies because you care you know like yeah if you didn't care or give a damn you wouldn't be nervous man i was getting i was getting nervous in like lansdowne games you know so yeah. i think at all levels you get nervous i see i say you're probably getting nervous in lansdowne games right yeah 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 for sure yeah. and it's like um you just and once again it's, i remember the same like before ross gray games like for school games you because that's the level yeah. you're at, you know, like you've the level you're at, yeah. you know, you've obviously gone to play whatever and the nerves I'm sure haven't gone up triple or quadruple the amount just because you've gone up three or four levels or whatever. No, yeah. It's like you just you get nervous because you care a lot about it. like I remember having um, I remember I used to always get really heavy legs before a game. Like, I don't know. I used to just, yeah, you're starting to, you're starting to question your fitness. Yeah, level. <laughs> yeah like, like genuinely, I remember running out onto the field and then once or twice I'd like I take pre-workout. I tried out because some of the lads were like, oh, you pre-workout for a game. And then like, I remember once or twice taking pre-workout and like, geez, I thought I was going to have a fit nearly. I was like nervous. I was, I had all this caffeine and beta alanine going through me. My legs felt heavy. I was like, geez, I'm going to get sick or collapse or what's yeah, going to happen here. Yeah. But um, yeah, for sure. And you mentioned there how you have learned to welcome the nerves has that just been a gradual process or have you done work with a mental skills coach or how is that um i see it's a bit of, a bit of both like we have a skills coach in connect now over the last kind of 12 months or so and then um it's just i think everyone's naturally has that bit of nerves like um even like the best players in the world have them like yeah. you know uh so you're just kind of going to have to accept it that you're going to be nervous um, and just like kind of like deal with it in a good way because like 
like I said, like now I'm turning like turning twenty eight, like and I'm still getting nervous, like so it's not as if I'm gonna like click my fingers no. for the last couple of years of my career and say I'm not gonna be nervous. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like I've been nervous my whole career, like I'm hardly gonna like overnight just be not nervous. So just kind of accept that and uh try to use it in a good in a good way. And I I think I'm still like I have done that recently over the last few seasons and I'm hopefully continue on to do so yeah no fully rude and i think there's a way that you can channel it into um adrenaline and you can yeah. you can process it so like if you feeling that nervousness like say if it's a day before a game you can sit down close your eyes breathe and relax and then like visualize the game play the game and then then you're doing visualization then the game mightn't be as won't be as difficult when you play it or else if it's before a game going out you can once like 10 minutes 15 minutes before they're in the warm-up or whatever you can once again just center yourself and then use that as adrenaline and channel as you say channel it into positive versus allowing it to get in your head and then you start questioning things and then you're fucked yeah like them kind of like 10 15 minutes before you're you're out onto the paddock like that's kind of like the butterflies are starting to come there everyone's kind of in the same boat there you're kind of i need you to open the changing room type type thing and just having your last minute discussions with your with your partner and things like that and just going over different situations and then you can kind of like hear some sort of like well post pre-covid you kind of hear like the grumblings of the crowd outside and things like that and that's when you kind of start to light up mm. you mentioned there pre-match something that i find really interesting and have learned a bit about it recently is how different people prepare for matches differently obviously so like you know you see the lads that are spitting blood and bouncing off the walls and banging heads <laughs> off each other and you know that carry on like you know them lads and then you you stay away from yeah, them yeah 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 you know but then you have other people who want to just relax and be quiet and and um just yeah just relax and it's do you see a spectrum of that is there a spectrum of that in the conic dressing room yeah there is like those sean o'brien he was of that kind it was good though you you liked having him in your in your huddle pre-game because he'd give you the look and you'd follow him anywhere do you know what i mean like yeah he was a passionate passionate player you'd follow him anywhere into the game do you know what i mean but like he like when you're talking about that type of lad he's banging his head off the wall but he if if a team huddle was too quiet or whatever, he'd send a rocket up your hole and he'd really get the the blood boiling. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Then you've other people like I know you like you had Jack on recently. Like he'd be like cool as a cucumber. Just he'd have like, all his plays written down and he'd just give him just give his little notebook a last minute check and come into the circle and tell us our marching orders, what we're doing, first play where we're going, exits, things like that, just kind of a bit more clear head. So there is a spectrum, obviously, yeah. But, like, you, you you need both of them. Like, For sure. You do need both of them. Like I said, like, Sean O'Brien, like, his energy and passion, it will be hugely missed, like, because he was, like, on his day, he was unstoppable, like. Yeah. Yeah, it's, t- it's awful that he had to retire. Oh, yeah. A legend of a man. Yeah, he was a couple of years below me in Ross Gray. Um, where do you think you'd fall on the what's your pre-match do you have a pre-match routine or do you do, you do anything the morning of a game or do you have any rituals or I don't really know like I was it's a weird one like I try to like like find something that like like works for me or whatever like and then like I nearly feel like I'm kind of like trying to force her or whatever like so then I've kind of just said to myself oh look just do whatever you want 
do whatever suits you because like sometimes you get into thinking of oh if I didn't do X, Y, and Z before this game, like I'm not I'm not prepared or whatever, like and then it'll nearly throw you off or whatever, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. oh I didn't do didn't put my left boot on first or I didn't put my undershorts on before my jocks, like yeah, that type of yeah. thing, like I know that's that's pretty that's a bit extreme, but I don't that type no, of carry on sure. like um or like I have to have my coffee at this time or things like that. I just no, I try not to get too like um routine or habitual or superstitious because like then it'll just kind of throw me so i just kind of go with the flow you mentioned there play well with covid you haven't had the crowd but there will be a crowd in a couple of weeks from what i gather in ireland there's crowds back yeah there's half capacity from this this weekend coming nice so we'll have 50 percent and for the preseason game against london irish and then from the end of next month, uh, I think it's game game on. Nice one. On the twentieth of October. How does how does that feel? Um, having no, I know you're injured for a bit, but you did play a bit in the middle of COVID. That kind of um, yeah, late twenty twenty window. But how, and obviously you played AIL where there's very little crowds. But how does it feel playing with a crowd in the sports ground? Like I've I've obviously been in the crowd so many times. But um, does it give you energy? Is it is it very different oh, without it? How how does that feel? massively huge difference like um especially like that clan stand in the sports ground yeah. like uh <laughs> do you know what I mean it's very tribal and like uh like there's some characters in there and some passionate people like who love Connacht rugby and like just love the team um and then you have obviously your family thrown in there as well and some of your friends and stuff and like it's class playing in front of all that the lift you get when a big moment happens in a game or or someone like shoots out of the line and smacks someone or a line break or a big tackle or like a penalty one like the crowd like erupts and it makes a huge difference and then momentum starts to swing and the crowd will get on the ref's back even and then the ref might give you a little sneaky penalty or something like that and it it it, it shapes games massively like between changing momentum and giving us a lift and even then 50 50 decisions and stuff oh it's a huge difference yeah yeah, it'll be class uh, even to watch on TV, like just have the crowds back. Yeah, and even when you talk about nerves and stuff, you get that little bit of nerves playing in front of like full sports ground. Like I said, like I think they're they're good, like because you're you're where you want to be. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. like you're training all week for this, and you're dreaming of this as you're growing up, and then you're actually you're dropped into it, and then like you just kind of stop for a second and say to yourself, "Okay, I'm here now." Like, do you know what I mean? This is what I wanted to do, so like enjoy it. Yeah, it's inter- it's interesting when you bring back that. Like I'm uh, playing this weekend, or yeah, this weekend my first game in like two years or eighteen months, two years, and Jesus. it's funny because you say that about like the nerves, but it's like that's why you play as well, isn't it? Like that's you know what I mean. Like I I was coaching yeah. a lot, and I I love coaching. Like it's it's unreal. You probably missed the pregame nerves. Yeah, yeah. no, genuinely. Like I love yeah. I love coaching. I get so much out of it, and I kind of was thinking like that's what I'm gonna do, but then. Uh, this regional team started up here and they asked me to come out so I was like yeah whatever um, but I'm just really excited now to go play and I'm kind of looking forward to that and it's you feel alive with it you know what I mean like with yeah, that yeah, you kind of yeah. think like oh do I want them or not or whatever that pre-game or that feeling and leading up to a game but even at whatever level it's it's it makes you feel alive definitely yeah yeah do you do anything outside of rugby intentionally to relax like say 
play the PlayStation. I saw the guitar there in the corner, play that, read a book. Or is there anything that you just, I don't know, when rugby finishes that you've had a tough day that you, anything that you do? Um, I don't have anything like in specific that like I go to. Like there's probably the combination of all of that. Like I've gotten into podcasts recently only since you started them. No, I've gotten into the like podcast recently. I'm kind of enjoying them. The reason why I like podcasts is you don't have to like look at the screen. Yeah, they're kind of nice just to listen to, like chilling out or whatever. Other than that, like we have membership to the local sauna kind of steam room pool facility, kind of leisure center type thing in Salt Hill there in Galway. Oh yeah. Um, so there's a crowd of us who on the team who are members of there. So we go there like a couple of times a week, do sauna sessions, pool recovery, that type of stuff. Then I know I have the guitar there in the corner, but it's it's getting a bit dusty now. <laughs> to be honest, um, it was a bit of a COVID project, and believe it or not, whatever way I was holding the guitar, it was it was impinging on my sh- <laughs> on my shoulder. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but like I had to, I had to hang up the guitar because it was hurting my shoulder. <laughs> oh no, that career! What could have been? Yeah, what could have been? been? Like I could I had to I'm gonna have to ring up Friendy and tell him, uh, Friendy, I can't train tomorrow. I'm after doing the shoulder. Oh yeah, the you won't be in the, the next Mumford and Son. <laughs> um, then I obviously started the the old uh, drive through the coffee business while I was injured. Um. So that's keeping me tipping away as well. Um, so like a few things there. Like Chloe obviously living with me now as well. So she's keeping me on my toes. And yeah, kind of a combination of a few things. Meeting the lads for lunch and stuff like yeah. that. It's your usual kind of Dawson life of a pro rugby player. Yeah, talking about the coffee stand. How, how did that idea uh, come about and getting it set up and going? And that's I've just cool. seen that like they're popping up everywhere around Dublin and stuff during COVID. And... Uh, there wasn't many of them in Galway, so it's like it was a combination of COVID hitting off, and then um, me being injured with my knee. Obviously, I was I couldn't do anything. Like you know, it's like with an ACL, like you can't like you're out of action for nine months. Like so, uh, so I was kind of a bit idle. I said, right. I always kind of toyed around with the idea of a drive-through coffee thing when I finished up potentially. So I said, oh, I'll give it a crack now. Um. So bought an old trailer on like Dundee yeah. and um my old man kinda is into kitchens and bedrooms. That's his like profession. Yeah. Making kitchens and bedrooms. So I got him to put a little kitchen unit into it and insulate it up and refurb or whatever. Actually turned out well to be fair. Absolutely. And so then I went to got onto Galwegian's rugby club because you know that road there, the Dublin Road, yeah. it's busy, so like, busy. Very busy road. So I was just saying, like, if, even if I get a percentage of these cars swinging in, like, um, I'll be doing well. Um, so that's been tipping away since June or so. It's it's going all right. Like, it's nothing hectic. But, uh, like I said, it kept me busy during the injury. Yeah. Um, it's, well, it's a nice little kind of existence outside of rugby, you know? Yeah, it's cool. And you, you manage it and what, it's out there every morning. Yeah, like, I literally, in fairness, Weasians have been very good. Like, they've given me access to, like, power storage so like I, I i don't actually don't have to do a whole lot there like i literally just i kind of set it up and now it's just kind of like tipping away itself like i have a lot a young lad there who uh helps me run it and stuff and he kind of does a lot of the work and i just kind of 
do the donkey work and the behind the scenes. Yeah, nice one. Fair play, bud. Then you met sorry to go back. You mentioned the the sauna. I love the sauna, but geez, since COVID they haven't been open here. It's so annoying. Um how long Oh really? Oh, yeah. yeah, it's so annoying. like yeah. yeah. I used to go in nearly every day. Um yeah, always. Um for twenty minutes, half an hour. How how long do you go? Would you do a half an hour straight? Would you? Yeah, for sure. I bring in a two liter bottle of water. I do twenty five minutes anyway. Jeez, fair play to you. Yeah. yeah. What heat would you be hitting up to? Oh, I'd be guessing to be honest, but like whatever, oh, whatever yeah. the preset is. But I heard this thing, and um, I don't know if you heard of, well this one, Doctor Rhonda Patrick. They say that like it lowers all your chance of getting like nearly all major disease, like heart disease, yeah, yeah. cancer, everything, like. They did studies on people, I think it's in Norway, they literally are living like 15, 20 years longer, or 10, 20 years longer. Um, yeah, Dr. Rhonda Patrick did wow. But uh, who stays in the longest? Um, who stays in the longest? Johnny Murphy's pretty good at it. Gav Thornbury, um, Jack Carty, they all like to kind of like push themselves for at least 20 anyways uh, on the top shelf. Like, But yeah. the sauna in, in Ocean Fitness is piping hot. Like, yeah. It's over 90 degrees. Like, um, uh, so they'd all they'd all be like over the twenty minute mark. Um, yeah. Like like I I don't like I jump in and whatever. Like I don't try to like be a macho man and like kill myself and then pass out. <laughs> like I just I go in maybe fifteen minutes, jump out, like maybe jump back in, like yeah, yeah. get into the jacuzzi and you know like yeah yeah. I just kind of more more doss around and Absolutely. yeah enjoy enjoy. enjoy it. That's why it's called the leisure center, isn't yeah, it? Yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but uh, thanks, Mill, for jumping on. It has been unreal catching up with you. No worries. And hey, looking forward to watching you back in action. Thanks, Mill, Moyle. Appreciate it. All the best with the, with the rest of the podcast. Cheers, bud. Hope you enjoyed the chat. As you probably gathered from the conversation, Tom and I played together in Lansdowne for a couple of years. He was, I think, two years behind me in school. But we played together for one year on the Lansdowne 20s and probably two years on the senior side. It was great catching up with him and reminiscing about old times. Yeah, we had great crack in that team and won an AIL as well in 2015. I think Tom was injured in 2013. That was the year that we won another AIL in Lansdowne that year. But he was injured and that was the year he went to the World Cup. He mentioned how he was fortunate to get in the plane. And I played a few games for the seniors that year, but... Not many. I thought it was cool hearing Tom's mindset going over the championship to Bedford because it's obviously a pretty difficult thing to do. You've been in Leinster, one of the best club setups in the world, and then playing club rugby at Lansdowne, which was pretty good level, coached by Mike Ruddock, and winning the All Ireland League to going over to Bedford, uh, kind of step into the unknown, but Tom saying how he knew deep down that he would get his opportunity with an Irish province again. And to be honest, having played with Tom for a couple of years, I absolutely knew how good he was or how good he is and how it was only a matter of time. I found it so funny as well how laid back he is with everything, kind of mindset and mental skills, but yet still has or seems to have like really good practices in that he stays present, he focuses on the task in front of him and doesn't worry too much about the bigger picture because as we chatted about, when you constantly have the bigger picture in your mind, you can get overwhelmed or say the goal. If you have a, a long-term goal or destination in your mind, you can just get so overwhelmed by how much you have to do 
in the process to get there but as tom was saying he just focuses on what he can do in the moment and that's really interesting and i absolutely love the part about not having a plan b the way he said about having all his eggs in one basket it's something that i really really think is so important in that if you have a plan b in whatever it is you're trying to achieve you're giving yourself a kind of a psychological safety net or comfort in not pursuing your plan a 100 percent and like tom mentioned about having all his eggs in one basket he kind of was reflecting thinking it might be a great thing but if you want to achieve something you have to you really do have to have all those eggs in one basket you can't have a half an eye on oh well if it fails it's okay you got to be all in anyway i just so enjoyed that chat and um, tom's a great friend of mine he was one of the players i really enjoyed playing with most he is uh he's so exciting to watch and he's so exciting to play with as well like i just love playing with him offloading the ball i would like to think that we somewhat played similarly in that sense in that we'd both be throwing offloads now people who watch us play will probably say yeah all the toms went to hand and all of yours went to the ground but anyway we won't focus on that i'm really excited to see tom back playing this year First of all, because I'm a Connacht fan and he's such a good player. But secondly, I think that we have not seen the best of him yet. Before he got these couple of injuries, yeah, he was in the Ireland squad for Six Nations squad under Joe Schmidt. And that is quite a high level. But yeah, genuinely knowing him as a person and a player, I think that he has not hit his top level yet. And I'm just really excited for him and to see him get a string of games together. If you enjoyed the podcast, please be an absolute legend and send it to some friends. That would mean a lot to me. And also, please share it on Instagram. So what I do is with every episode, I get a quote from the episode, put an Instagram post up. And that's on my Instagram, the off-field rugby coach, at off-field rugby. So yeah, if you were to share that post and tag me in it, it would genuinely mean so much to me. I would really, really appreciate it. And also please subscribe to the pod on Apple Podcasts if you listen there. Or if you're on Spotify, I think it's you follow the pod. I'm not exactly sure who will be the next guest on the podcast. I know that within the next couple of weeks there will be a USA international, a former international coach, a Saracens player. And yeah, they're just some of the people I'm speaking to who are keen to come on but if you know anyone else or any other players or coaches or people involved in pro rugby who would like to come on send me dm on instagram would love to hear it and yeah i'll reach out to them also if there's any things that you would like to learn about pro rugby or different type of things you would like me to ask or areas to go then yeah send me dm on instagram would love to hear your feedback Really appreciate you taking the time to listen in today. Genuinely means a lot to me. Have a brilliant rest of your day. Cheers.